This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. Welcome into the Tapped Out Recap. Or I guess we should just call it the Retap. Probably makes a little bit more sense with Brendan Tobin down in Miami. I'm Sean Levine in Kansas City. Producer Jake Allen joining us as well. And I think we've got to start with the fight that everybody, not just the fighting world's talking about, the whole world has been talking about since the knockout. Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, too. Jake Paul put him down flat on his face. Uh, Brendan, I believe that you said something to the effect of there's no possible way that that could happen, that there's no way that Tyron Woodley was going to get knocked out. How do you feel I don't about know if you. Happened? I don't know if I said that verbatim how you something said it, like but that. it's something to the effect yeah. of never going to ha- happen. No shot. Come on. Uh, and, get the hell out of here. And right, listen, man, Jake Paul's the man. He did it. Good for him. I mean, it was uh, it was crazy. I mean, what a terrible fight it was up until that point. Brutal. I mean, it was uh, it was a dreadful hug fest. And then uh, it's uh, and then just, you know, a right hand bomb. And he went down worse than Nate Robinson. It was uh, it was crazy. It was, uh, you know, listen, you got to give him nothing but credit, man. He's had five fights. Three of them have ended in viral meme knockouts. Exactly what the king of the Internet wants. So where's the shooting star that is Jake Paul go now? Or I guess who do you think would make sense to be his next opponent? I mean, he spent so much time with the fight week. It felt like badgering Tommy Fury. Um that I feel like that's the natural place to go. Like all this Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, even with Masvidal coming out with his maniac red red lighting uh, video, tell him to come over to the UFC. Like none of that stuff's going to happen. Uh, there'll be more chirping between Dana White and Jake Paul. They'll be chirping between Jorge Masvidal and Nate, Rob- and Nate Diaz because, you know, it's good for business. It's good for clout, all that type of stuff. But None of that's going to happen. I feel like uh, I feel like he's got a dance partner. He's kind of already built something with and people do still want to beat a quote unquote boxer. I think the thing that's going to be interesting, though, is if Tommy Fury uh, wants that action now, because, you know, the difference between Tommy and Tyron is, listen, Tyron's at the end of his career. He kind of got the second payday out of nowhere. And, you know, Tommy, I think, has dreams of being a good professional boxer and i don't know how much that would uh would help him if he did have a jake paul loss on his resume well don't you think that that had something to do with the reason why we didn't see tommy fury this weekend and we saw tyron woodley like did he understands that jake paul might just knock his ass out no i don't buy that i don't think guys pull out because they're scared or anything like that i mean i i I think that he was genuinely hurt uh could he have gone through with it i mean would he have been fine by the time yeah maybe but i i don't i don't genuinely believe that tommy fury was too shook 
But now that he sees what he did to a guy who can punch back, maybe he will be. Very impressive. Like you said, another meme viral knockout. 4-1 Jake Paul. Uh, your guy down there in Miami from the U, the great Frank Gore, not by knockout. In fact, didn't end up winning, lost by decision to Darren Williams. That garbage fight. I know fight. you're shaking your head down there. I, I, left, I left pretty impressed really with both the guys, but more from the Darren Williams side. Obviously. Darren Williams is a dirty bum. I mean, what are we talking about, Sean? <laughs> Guy shoved him out of the out of the ring onto a camera and tried to punch him while he was down. I mean, like the guy, the guy was fighting with all dirty tactics. Uh, you know, it's uh, it was ridiculous, ridiculous. It actually a lot of that. Uh, it really, uh, it really dried up my appetite for any uh, desire to see any professional athletes box anymore. It was, uh, it was pretty ugly. Your heart's too attached to this stuff. I hope that you don't bet on that stuff. Like when you like when it's like your actual homeboy and like you're mm-hmm. talking to a guy and you kick it. Like don't don't bet on that stuff. Although you should have listened to my advice to bet on the main event of the UFC. It just seemed like it should have gone off as a pick'em. And I'm not saying that anybody went off as a huge underdog, but you could have got Derek Lewis at a plus one twenty, plus one sixty by knockout. I think we both knew BT that if it was gonna finish and Derek Lewis was the one who got his hand raised, it was probably going to be by knockout, so it made all the sense in the world. I told people to lay down heavy on it, and it happened early, so you didn't even have to sweat it. Yeah, I mean, both, uh, you know, I had Frank Gore lose, and our guy Jake, our producer, had his guy Chris Dawkins take the L. But Tough night. You know, listen, uh, Derek Lewis is that dude, man. They keep trying to do this to him, where they're putting prospects up against him or guys who can be that next contender, and he's 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 not about being a gatekeeper. He's not about that. He uh, He went out there and obliterated him. And then uh, goes and gives the uh, the beautiful the beautiful post fight interview that he's the man, you know. Like I, I love the fact that he's like, if I get a championship fight, we got to change it to three rounds. <laughs> well, I don't really think it matters too much. I mean, obviously we've seen him go the distance in the past. I don't. You say he's the man. I love me some Black Beast. I was very entertained by what happened in a short amount of time on Saturday night. Although I kind of do feel like he's a gatekeeper. Unfortunately, like he's one of those guys that. I don't think he's good enough to be the champion, but he's good enough to be that next guy. We've seen it, right? Like we've seen it against DC, right? We've seen I, it against. Uh, we saw it against a surreal gun. Like I don't. Even yeah, but I, he's I, next. I don't know if he's ever going to be champion. I think you and I define gatekeeper a little bit different, though. Like I see gatekeeper as the guy who is always the name they beat to get to the to get to the title. Like the guy who loses. Like Dustin Poirier to me is not a gatekeeper because he's lost two championship fights. You know, um, I think like Tony Ferguson kind of became a gatekeeper because Justin Gaethje beats him. He goes on to the title. You know, Charles Oliveira beats him. He goes on to the title like that to me is a gatekeeper more so than a guy who's just losing in the in the championship fights. They they are trying to make him that. But, you know, they try this with Curtis Blades. He beat him. They they try to do this with Francis Ngannou. He beat him as bad as that fight was. Um, And now they try to do it again with Chris Dawkins and he wasn't having it. Poirier and Derek Lewis, actually, that's a great point. Very similar. If you think about, like, their past and getting close to the title and fighting for the title and not getting it, like, it's a very, very similar past. I guess they're not gatekeepers. You proved me wrong once again. Uh, you mentioned the name Francis Ngannou. He's going to fight the beginning of 2022 against Cyril Gan for the heavyweight title. Whoever wins that one, who's next in line? Where's John Jones fit in that picture? I mean... <laughs> That's a good question. I guess whenever he decides he wants to come back and and get into the octagon, I feel like John has done enough in the sport that he gets a media title shot. Like we've been waiting for John Jones fighting for the heavyweight championship. It feels like forever. <laughs> so as soon as he wants to, he can go get it. Now he's put this whole thing out. Like it's been a very methodical buildup. So 
maybe he does want a first fight at the heavyweight division and then go into the title shot. But I kind of want to just see him right away. Like if it's, if it's gone, if it's in Ganu, I don't want like there to be any risk of John Jones losing. Like I want that matchup right away. And I want to see John fight for a belt. We've all been wanting to see him fight for, for a long time. It is the BetQL network. It's a tapped out recap. Brendan Tobin, Sean Levine here in Kansas city. So let's say it is John versus whoever has the belt at the time. Who's favored to win that? Pick him? I mean, who do you even – is John Jones coming in as an underdog? I think it – no, not against Francis. I think, like, Francis, everybody would take – I think John would be favored no matter what. Gone would be an interesting one because I feel like if Gone continues ragdolling, if he embarrasses Francis, he'll be interesting because I could see that one being very, very close. I still feel like John, because of his status, would be a slight favorite against Gone. But – I, I still, yeah, I still feel like he'd, he'd go off as the fair, unless Gon like does something crazy, like I don't know, head kicks Francis Ngannou or something like that. So if Gon beats Ngannou, that means that he stays undefeated in the UFC. We all know that John is undefeated. Besides the twelve to six elbow crap, we don't need to go down that path. Yep, I disagree with you. I think that Gon would be a heavy favorite. I think John. Wow, heavy. Like yeah, yeah, I think John comes in, and I'm serious about this. It's like a plus two fifty, and I know that sounds insane because we're talking about John Jones. But if you think about it, we're talking about undefeated, and that's kind of lure both the guys, right? Who's O's going to go? And one of the guys is definitely in the tail end of his career. I don't know how long John has left, and one of them is definitely on the ascension, and that's Sir Gone. So I just think that at the apex that those guys meet, I think that the odds would heavily favor Cyril Gone, and I think that Vegas would love that because you know people have bet on John Jones. I can't rule it out. I, I think, and, and honestly, like if I ever had the chance to get John Jones as an underdog, I feel like I'd fly to that right away. Like how fast can we go get to that? Because you're getting arguably the greatest fighter of all time uh, with plus money. I mean, that's, that's tasty. I want to talk more about 2022 coming up in just a second. Cause it's right around the corner, but we've got to remember the name Bilal Muhammad took out wonder boy. I told you he was going to do it. He did it. That makes it 10 out of 11. How close is this guy to say, fighting for maybe not the belt, but number one contendership. You know, he laid out a pretty good case. I know a lot of the times I see these guys who are, you know, kind of lower in the top 10 and they are trying to say, Hey, this is the reason I do it. I thought he laid out a pretty good argument. You know, the idea that, you know, Leon has fought Kamara already. The fact that he's fought basically every contender, at least once, most of them he's fought twice. Um, that Leon probably being the next guy in line, uh, would be, you know, the idea that he's lost to Kamara. And also, more people remember his his most, you know, his most notorious fight. Most people remember the fact that Nate Diaz almost knocked him out in the last 30 seconds. So yeah. I, thought it was a, I thought it was a compelling argument. It wasn't enough to sell me saying, definitely, I want to see Bilal Muhammad. But I do think that, yeah, he's, he's in that conversation now. And if something were to happen wacky, like let's say Dustin were to go to 170, and Dustin gets an immediate title shot, you know, because Kamaro, I feel like if Kamaro wanted that, he's got enough clout to where the UFC could say, okay, we'll give you what you want. Like they've done that with Israel Adesanya before where it's the all Romero. Um, I think that if that were to happen, I would love to see the rematch between Bilal and, and Leon. Cause it was, a, it, even though Leon had a great first round, it was still a, it was still an unfinished, it's still unfinished business. Like the, the way it ended with the eye poke. That's a good matchup, and it could happen in 2022, but there's certainly others to look forward to more. What matchup that's already out there are you looking forward to most, or what fighter do you have your eyes on? I'll give you a second to chew on it. Mine is kind of the same guy that it was this year, which is Colby Covington. I'm just so curious what happens with him because 
it feels like for a guy that's lost back-to-back fights, his stock has gone up, right? It feels like everybody understands that he's the second best in the world, maybe completely, but certainly in his weight class, behind Kamaru Usman. And I think there's a chance they could run that back. He's obviously got the Dustin. Dustin got to switch classes. Uh, he's got the the Jorge Mazadal fight on the horizon. Like, there's so many different options, and I'm all over every one of them when it comes to Colby Covington. Uh, that's a fascinating one because he's definitely, you know, he is he is very good, but he is at a bit of a crossroads because he does have really? the two losses to uh, to Kamaru. So, yeah, I think. But those are two. But he has two interesting fights on the horizon. Like, those are great rivalries. Huge backstory with him having to leave American top team and all that drama that comes with uh, with that fight. I feel like that'd be a lot of fun for Colby. And that always makes Colby fights a, a, a lot of fun. Um, I would say, you know, the, the, the lightweight division fascinates me now because it really does feel like a changing of the guard. I do think that Justin Gaethje is probably going to uh, end up getting that next title shot against Charles Oliveira, which will be a fun fight. But they just announced this week, Benil Daryush versus Islam Makachev. And that kind of feels like these are the next wave of guys that he's going to have to face. Like, is any one of those guys going to really emerge as the truth? You know, Habib's going to have Makachev really backing him, giving him the the rub. He's the next guy. He's me, but he's got punching power. He's me with striking ability, all that type of stuff. So I feel like this is going to be the year where can he make that jump and go in there? And does Charles Oliveira just dice all these guys? Does he beat them up easily? And uh, and show that, listen, I'm going to have this a longer title rate than even Namaga Madoff did. So uh, the lightweight division is really fascinating to me. It's always been, uh, I think, a star studded division. I do think that with maybe Dustin leaving the division and Connor's injury and all that type of stuff, it's probably lost a little bit of its star power, but I still think it's as talented as ever. It's just a new wave of guys. Who do you think is closer to a belt? And I'm not saying either one of these guys are there just yet, but at some point I think they both will be. Sugar Sean or Hamzad, who do you think is closer to the belt? Like when it comes to, they've got this many fights totes wrapped around their waist. That's a good question. Um, Cause I think that they're, if you talk about the last year and a half, two years, I would say they're the guys that the UFC is the most back, right? They, they're the guys that the UFC would most, and maybe you got like Yuri Perhashkin, some of these other guys in other weight classes, but really those two guys are the, in my opinion, the shining, the rising stars of the promotion right now. I think if I were to say it, I would say Hamzat just because welterweight feels a little bit thin because of how dominant Kamaro has been. So I feel like, you know, if he gets one, two really good performances, that push will become very strong. I think Sugar Sean has already been this move where he has been taking a very, you know, tempered approach to his title rise. And, and also Bantamweight's a little bit more stacked at the top. Like there's a lot of fun matchups that can still happen. There's controversy among you know the champion Aljamain Sterling all that type of stuff so you got that Sanhagen's very good so I still feel like he's got a a, a big crop to go through there um whereas I don't think Hamzat has as many I feel like a couple impressive wins and he can definitely be right in that mix I can't wait for 2022 whether it's in the ring or the octagon I know we're all going to be together. So Jake's in Philly, Brendan Tobin in Miami, Sean Levine here in Kansas City. You can catch our show tapped out every Saturday night, 5 to 7 Eastern on the BetQL network, twitch.tv backslash BetQL if you want to see our pretty faces, Odyssey app, and of course the podcast, which is up as soon as the show ends. And then every Monday we get you the tapped out recap. That's it for us in 2021. We'll talk to you guys next year right here on the BetQL network.